All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is best-selling author Tristarian, and you're watching Nasty Knuckles. Listening to Nasty Knuckles, the Hockey Outlaws Podcast, with your hosts, Terry Nasty Sutemeyer and former Philadelphia Flyer Enforcer Riley Cote, as they go behind the scenes with your favorite NHL players. Time to face off. All right, welcome back. What's happening, Nasty? What's up, Rigorelia? Looking pretty jacked today. Jacked? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I hope the cameras look like that because I've been seeing myself lately going, oh. Yeah. Look at all swole. Maybe throw, a, maybe throw a workout in there, Nast. Yeah? No, I just started, though. I got back at it. Hey, did you? Yeah? yeah, I did. Maybe that's why I'm so jacked today. Yeah, we look at Yeah, right. Chest is all these, puffy. He's got garner snakes. He's got garner snakes. My fucking garner snakes. Garner snakes. I've never, my biceps have never been swollen. I guarantee that unless I got hit or something i don't know but uh hey man missed you again at uh, men's league so just want to throw that out. oh yeah we had a bye week i didn't even tell you that oh uh, yeah so i felt <laughs> yeah. bad you should i was in miami you dude two games out of 10 well life gets in the way you know oh my god men's league's more important i know um, i wish i could kidding. make more games we are the back travel an hour to play men's league dude oh here we go with my kids well listen th- 
We didn't know where they were last time. <laughs> For a while. They were, they were running salad upstairs. <laughs> they Vegetable were running Dunlops. Yeah, they were. Oh, man. Old Jim Boucher is up there like trying to figure out who these two young ladies are running the show. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, back at it this week with the boys. Um, I don't even know who we play, but we're back at it. Anyway, um, Fly Boys looking good. Last yeah. two games, even Baller had just said, and Debo woke up from a nap and agreed that uh, <laughs> the last two games were actually they actually were really good. That win in Ottawa um, was was impressive. Um, how about G? Of course, scoring oh, against yeah. the old team. It, it always two happens. Minutes in. It always happens. Two two minutes in, but um, nice and goal. his three hundredth goal. Congrats, yeah, G. Absolutely, um, congrats, G. Big uh, accomplishment and. You know, the win this week against the Blues, our good buddy Chief. I wish he could have at least won in Boston. Yeah. You know, if and not win last night, but they've lost eight in a row. But but the Flyers looked really good last night and they worked their asses off, which they have all year. Yeah. But they really looked good last night. They did. Yeah, we were at the game. Yeah. Uh, you had LV, you had my two girls. Uh, well, well, one fell asleep. Ka- she I- didn't see it. I didn't see much <laughs> but- of the game. Um, but it was funny, you know, listening to them talk. They were talking about shots on net being, you know, yeah. the currency uh, of winning the game. And, yeah, you know, Flyers were out shooting the Blues, obviously. The good, good, well, a good chunk of the, the first yeah. half of the game there, which, you know, we landed up leaving halfway through. But um, um, actually, we didn't see one goal. As soon as we you walked didn't. out of the building, yeah, they, all they the goals scored. started coming. But uh, the, the, the effort, the opportunities, I mean, the Flyers looked good. I they mean, did. They, they, they look crispy and uh, energy. Well, I, th- I thought the energy in the building could have been a little bit, uh, a little bit better. I th- but that I, was before yeah, the goals. I, I think I agree, and it did get better once they started scoring. Right. Uh, we saw a couple scraps right away. Yeah, a couple. Tillies. Braden Shen was trying to get his team going. The leader he is, um, Nick Sealer's a tough customer. Yeah, um, we've seen that. Uh, that that was interesting. And then uh, one exact. of the funny things also was uh, I as soon as that fight was over, I watched Bartuzo jump over the bench and I saw him skate by our boy Big Mac and you could tell I didn't know exactly what he's saying but he looked at him and then Mac shook his head yeah so I said Elvis hey Elvis pay attention they're gonna fight and you know they fought it wasn't much when they fell quickly but uh Elvis like how did you know they're gonna fight how did you know like pay attention yeah yeah, watch the game watching instead of snapchat and girls yeah IG live yeah IG (laughs) <laughs> I haven't let him go in there in a while. <laughs> That's, thank God he doesn't have a lot of people following. No kidding, oh, right? Geez. But that would have been a nice time to go IG live. <laughs> it would have been. A couple tillies. A couple tillies. Big but, win. But, uh, you know... The, the identity they're creating. Yeah. And that's it's, what it's for real. we talked about. It is for real. You can just see it. You, you can tell when a team's like gelling and coming together mm-hmm. and, and uh, talking to a couple of the guys this week. You know, they've... They've, they're doing everything together. Yeah. And that's so big, and people can say it's cheesy. It's not. That's what builds a team, and um, it's really cool to see. And yeah. you've seen it on the ice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Can't 100%. deny it. Yeah, you can't deny it. Yeah. You know, we've talked about, you know, they've possibly won a few games they shouldn't have. You know, Carter Hart's bailing them out, but, you know, that team collective, that energy. That identity they're creating, everything you're, you're, you're alluding to, is, is for real. Whether they can sustain this or not is, is the question. But um, you know, I think the foundation has been laid nicely. Uh, obviously, they're 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 buying into Torts and his system, um, and buying into the collective as a team. So um, you know, from a perspective, you know, a fan's perspective, 
I, I'm I'm happy with it, I right? I mean, it's I it's it's uh, beyond my expectations of the season um, so far. It's still early, obviously, so um, we'll see where this goes. But um, the fans got to be happy with uh, you would think so the direction you know? and what's happening. So yeah, it, it's funny. Like they they've been kind of caught in the Phillies yeah, storm right? and, and the Eagles as well because I mean, like the Eagles haven't lost a game. Knock knock wood. Sorry, boys. I don't want to jinx you. Um, so it, it's always tough early. But this starts good, and I think people are taking notice to it. And, um, you know, TK's playing well. Hayes is playing well. The guys you really need with Coots being out and uh, Atkinson. Um, and JVR with his finger, you almost forget, like, we're missing three top, you know, top-line guys, at least top six players yeah, sure. on, on the team. Yep. And uh, Tippett, since he's come back, he's he's played really well. Boy, he can shoot a lot, Yeah, puck, he can. Yeah. Wow. He can really shoot it. So it's it's been fun to watch just just the effort and and yep. everything and it's nice to see him getting rewarded with it. Yep, hundred percent. They're gonna have to find a way to to, to 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 keep scoring goals, right? They're the bottom bottom three goals for in the league. Um, you know, five goals last night, which is you know an yeah. exception to the you know to the rule here with them, but. Um, they're gonna have to find ways to continue to, to, to score by committee because, as we know, they don't have that go-to the goal scorer, you know, that elite player to always lean on to, you know, to squeeze out a goal every other game. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's gonna continue to be challenging for them to to score goals. Yeah. But um, they're finding a way. You know, finding I think way, that's what good teams do. They find a way. Um, whatever that looks like, scoring by committee. Um, but um, you know, it'd be nice to get you know Atkinson and. And um, and a couple of these guys back in the lineup just to to help uh, you know obviously donate to the to the offense. Right. But, you know that being said, you know it could take away from some of the essence that's going it, on too. You could. never know how that plays out, right? I mean, there's some intangibles about having a young guy that's a spirited, energetic guy in the lo- in the lineup contributing that way versus you know being more of a an offensive guy leaning on for point production. But right. uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, and uh, our good friend Drew is back in town this weekend. Yeah, Saturday. Yep. Saturday, so, uh, Claude makes his first appearance in a different uniform Yeah, uh, in the Wells Fargo Center. So uh, that'll be very interesting. Yeah, look forward to seeing him. And then yep. uh, our buddy Kubel. Oh, too bad he was not with Washington. He got picked up off of waivers uh, by the Caps. Too bad he wasn't there a couple weeks ago because he would be using – but I got a chance to feel this Tovey, which he still will. Yep, we'll uh, be back and wash. But uh, it would be nice to see him. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him. Um, you know, I say I, I'm surprised or not surprised that he got thrown on waivers. You know, Cube's one of those guys that, you know, I think that when teams go through little droughts, he's kind of like becomes, I say the scapegoat. But, you know, right. the guy that's kind of highlighted is, you know. Do, do we move this guy or whatnot? You know, he's, he's been in that position a couple of times in his career. Um, but wish him the best. You know, the guy can yep. skate. He's strong. He can shoot. I think just like he did in Colorado, he found his groove. He found, yep. you know, his lane he needs to stay in. Um, obviously, Toronto was say, struggling a little bit. They're, you know, they're right yeah. there with the rest of them now. But um, but he lands up, uh, say, taking taking some bit of a fall. But uh, wish him the best there in Wash. I think yes, he'll 100%. be able to contribute there. Don't worry, Cube. We'll get a Tovey in your hand in a few weeks. We will. We'll be back. I think we're ready to rock, Nast. Well, let's do it. Episode 93. Can you believe it? Wow, 93. Oh, Jakob Voracek's number. (laughs) (laughs) Nasty bear. Absolutely. Episode 93 presented to you by our good friends at Cureleaf. 
Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a long-time patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA, stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth, or visit cureleaf.com forward slash locations. Locations. Let's go, Nast. Let's do it. Welcome back. I'm Riley Cote. And I'm Derek Suttlemeyer. And this week, we would love to welcome back our good friend and best-selling author, <laughs> Mr. Chris Terry, and I like to call him Dog. What's up, brother? <laughs> What's up, guys? Always great to be on with you guys. Yeah, I love the best-selling. You guys can sell it all you want. It's fine. Any, anytime, you know, that's what I love when Smoke you... Smoke and mirrors, Monday. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, but it's funny. Anytime someone, like, you see, like, somebody write a book and they're like, oh, best-selling author, I'm like... How do I know it's yeah. a best-selling yeah, author? Right? So everybody that has yeah, a book's a best-selling author. Yeah. I said it, so you are. All right, it's official. Right, uh, that's official now. Yeah, you put it out Great there. to be here, guys. Yeah, good to see you. Appreciate your time, man. Busy on your book run. You're all over the United States here. For, yeah. Pushing this thing. Yeah, I mean, the first, actually, uh, this week I get I got a couple of events that start. And, you know, with the Phillies in the World Series, it was, yeah, you know, the book came out, uh, I think it was October 25th. I think it was the, the actual release date. So we've had you know good uh, past two weeks now of it of it being out in, on Amazon or uh, Triumph Books or Barnes and Noble wherever you get it, and uh, it's been interesting because uh, the Phillies you know how we're doing so well and I plan to kind of execute when the date came out but you know what there's nothing you can do when a team is in a you know deep run and then get to the World Series so. Uh, I was thrilled that the Phillies did so well and the city had such an amazing time with that. Uh, but now it'll be time to kind of getting out and, and doing some of the mandatory book signings that I have to do. Uh, but I, in general, it, you know, I'm going to go to like Dagwood's pub in, in Northeast Philly to start it. Funny people are like, why are you going to a pub? You know, uh, well, I don't drink anymore, so I'm, I'm pretty good about that myself going to a bar, but that's not my issue anymore. But I figured like, you know what, Northeast Philly bar is exactly the kind of place that I would like to go and get a book signing started. And I think that'll, that's exactly the kind of person I am, but that's the kind of people that I, you know, I seem to mesh well with. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's Philadelphia at its, at its rawest form. That's where you get the sports fans and stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. And, and now, um, you know, with extra time, I can start getting out to a couple Barnes and Nobles and local places just to meet and greet people and talk about the book a little bit. Oh, that's awesome, man. Beautiful, yeah. What's the process of writing a book like? I mean, <laughs> it's been a long time coming, right? I mean, you got a crazy story, uh, you know, Road to Redemption. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know what, guys? Actually, when I came on with you guys, probably uh, might have been, I guess it was 2021, beginning of 2021, when I kind of came out with my story. And what happened was it coincided with me being asked by Triumph Books. They'd asked me many times before, and I think, you know, like three or four times if I'd be interested in doing a book. I think they like taking athletes that played a certain duration in a city and then doing a regional sports story on it. And they, you know, I guess they'd heard through people that there was, uh, you know, me or Ron Hextall that they'd wanted to have do a book. Uh, I was a character in the room, probably have good stories to tell. So I finally decided, you know, when, when the Flyers uh, canned me and I wasn't doing the NBC stuff anymore, that... Um, it would be the right time mm -hmm. to take for myself to kind of put on paper what my journey in life was like for just the ordinary guy out there, because that's what I was, you know, I, I had gone through so much, I think in terms of me getting, uh, in a, as a young teenager to find the fortitude and the attitude to stay with hockey, 
Uh, I wasn't 6'5", you know, 250 at the time. I was a smaller guy and I grew later, but I, I stayed with it. I was lucky I had my dad. My parents stuck with, with the belief that my dad had seen enough, you know. They say when you see somebody at like 12 or 13, you get an, an idea of how they'll be later. And I'm just lucky my dad didn't give up on me. I quit hockey at 14 for a year. That's amazing well, to me. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? There are stories. You hear, I think you hear a little bit more of them in football, but I love telling minor hockey parents, like, Get your kid away from the rink sometimes. Yeah, like it's so out, right? important because you know you, every all those things you're doing, you're pushing these kids every single day. It's almost like you need the the the, the computer to program itself, and then remember that stuff. When you keep pushing the kid back to the rink, you're, all you're doing is the physical skills, and you're not allowing any of that mental or the emotional yeah. part of the game to crawl in your space. So I actually think that year off was the best thing that ever happened to me, and, sure. and I got away from a lot of the garbage that I was going through in Ottawa. I think it was a like a political hotbed of hockey, you know, whose dad was doing business with whose dad and, and that got the kid on the game, which is just total bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And, and I still see it now. And, 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 you know, it's funny. I talked to my dad about that and, um, you know, there's other good players in, in, in Ottawa. Like I'd say the two best players probably in the city of Ottawa at, at 71 birthdays were ironically me and Sean O'Donnell. Hmm. Wow. Uh, Odie. My yeah, boy, and Odie, I mean, and, and, yeah, and it's funny, there. I played, you know, we're the same age, and I played like a couple of years before Sean made it, and he ended up playing longer than I did, he got in the right teams, right situation, he was a, a, a long tenured guy, but you know, it's funny how you could say that at 10 years old, and then when you look at the kind of the conventional map of who ended up going to longer, it was, it was me and, and Odie wow. uh, at the time, there were other good players too, the Rivers, uh, uh, Jamie Rivers was two years younger than us, he played many games for Boston in the yeah. league, his brother Sean as well uh, for Tampa played one game, uh, but you know, again, just, just, I, I love, I skied for a year, so I love telling that story, people don't believe it, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I did not play hockey for an entire calendar year at 14. Yeah, that's actually pretty amazing back then to to do that and you know understand you know where your head's at and feel you know recognize that you're feeling burnt out and taking that year off. I think like well, I got cut. Oh, you got cut. That's, I got cut from two teams, and I'm just like you know, I, I, this is I guess not in the cards. I was you know you're you're a kid, you want to be with your friends, and then you realize that you've been alienated for whatever reason. I remember my buddies now tell me like people say when they look back and go, do you remember like someone said, yeah, the most criminal thing I've ever seen happen. The parent now is like 75 is like, I remember that Tarian kid got cut. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so you hear stories like that. It makes me kind of laugh a little bit, but it also vindicates my dad for, for having, having enough belief in me and then getting me out of that. Dude, it, you know, pop, you call Ottawa hockey hotbed. I think it was a mess. It was an absolute hockey mess. You know, everybody pushing their kids in directions yeah. to get to the NHL instead of worrying about just having fun, getting yourself to college. There was different beliefs, but, you know, my dad was vindicated through, uh, you know, when I went to Northwood. I mean, I took a road, that guys, that was completely off the beaten path. Hmm. Uh, you know, talk about t taking the road less traveled. That was the road so less traveled, there wasn't even any horse track marks on it. <laughs> and it ended up right. working. And now you, when you look back now, I mean, I look at Northwood now. And I see the kids of NHL guys I played with, Ron Hextall's kids, Shell Samuelson's kids have gone to Northwood. Not maybe not because I went there, but because it was a great option to get them out of some of these cesspools of hockey and these junior programs and to give these ch kids a chance to actually flourish. What I loved with Northwood was it was you're on the ice two hours a day. You can't recreate that in any way you're right. just skating all day long you know you're two hours of hard practice and you're moving and that's where you hone your skills and that's when i started when i was you know 15 you know turning 15 of 1987 and so i just you know and i, I when i came back I, I just remember loving hockey so much amazing loved it like it was a great i couldn't wait to go to the rink to practice every day and that was kind of Northwood, but that was also kind of me breaking out of my shell. I wasn't 5'8", you know, like 175 anymore. I ended up, 
you know, I was 6'3", 205, and I was growing, and, mm-hmm. and I was, became faster and bigger than the other kids, and, and that's what happened in a league that was, you know, you know in, a, in, a, in a sport that was really more conducive to bigger people in the late 80s and 90s. You know, like yeah, there used to be sure. that thing where they said they'd never draft anybody under six feet tall, yeah, right. which is ridiculous yeah. because we've seen how good some smaller players are, <laughs> yeah, and, right. and certainly now the way the game's played. Yeah. No doubt. I was going to say, um, you know, in modern times, a player taking a year off would probably be a foreign thing. But but I would say like the the, the amount of time these these players spend on hockey specific now versus back in the day, you know, probably more rounded athletes. Um, you know, maybe talk to, to that point on like, you know, the, you know, the, the mental state of these these young hockey players and the pressure that the parents generally put on them to to succeed. I, I mean, I, and I, I put it in my book, and I'm sure if someone has brought it up to me, I, I, I basically generalized and called hockey parents stupid. Yeah. They are. They are I mean, and, and, and I think the ones that are not realistic about what they're seeing. Exactly. The, the hardest part was saying, and, and I've been around every parent, guys. Like, I've been around, my daughters have all played D- Division One basketball. I've been around basketball parents. I've been around football parents now with junior. There's, I've never seen any, I don't see anything in those sports like there is in hockey. Really? Like now, I, and I often said, like, someone says, well, why do you think that is? Honest to God, I have a few theories on it. Um, it costs a lot of money. And I think in a certain set that there's a parent out there that actually believes his son is entitled to a piece of that ice because of the money they pay. Uh, and mm-hmm. if the kid's is not good, maybe you should be playing another sport. Yeah. You know, that's the hard realization is that people can't take a good look at themselves in the mirror and, and understand that maybe it's not for their kid. It's uh, a good point. It really is, yeah. you know, and I, I just of money invested. Yeah, you just think that all of a sudden I, you're entitled to something. I, I coached for four years, uh, the AAA, and Chris w- was okay. Like he was still a, a growing, pro- like I'm not going to say he was, a, he wasn't even close. He was a kid that was still growing. He was a slow footer type of kid, a lot like I was, except he was taller, bigger uh, than I was at like 12. I can't believe I'm sitting here talking about a 12 year old kid in hockey. But anyway, but I would have parents, uh, you know, that that had every answer. Yeah. Not all of them, some of them. So when I did say parents and hockey parents are stupid, some of them are. And unfortunately, it's the ones uh, that, I don't know, maybe something eluded them in their own past as an athlete yeah. where they're it trying to... that way. Yeah, I right, see that's it, what it is, yeah. You know, with Elvis playing, I see it from other teams that were playing. You hear parents and you're like, um, they're mites, they're seven. Yeah, they're living vicariously. They're not going to get kids, drafted yeah. this this. Year. That's I tell parents <laughs> that they yeah. think their kids are going to play in the NHL oh. tomorrow, and they're twelve years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's crazy delusion. Yeah, yeah. and and, that, and so that that's part of it, you know. Or you know, I hear like you know, little Johnny's dad, Bob. Boy, Bob was a really really good hockey player, and he just didn't make it. And now I'm realizing, well, little Johnny's paying for that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so, yeah, right. <laughs> right. like a life sentence. You, um, you hear, you hear. I hear parents, and you know what? I have to. I think some of it's you're so competitive. Like, I'll get on Elvie, and then I'm like, I got to like, – he's eight. He just turned eight. What am I doing? I don't want to make it not fun for him. But some of the times you hear these parents, and I'm like, what's the car ride like, you know, going home? Like, oh, yeah. it's that bad there in front of people. What's it like on the way home? And I'm like, it kind of puts me back. Let me take a step back. Yeah, because, right. like, you know, you just – you want what – you want them to play the best they can, but – Elvis just turned eight. You got to have fun. Man. Yeah, that's game. the whole yeah, thing. My, my son packed it in on hockey, and I think it was a COVID. 
Uh, they lost a year of development. Really, they did. I think it's going to be that two years. The kids were getting changed in the back of fags yeah, and yeah, stuff. Right. <laughs> they were sneaking them in range. Like, I remember I went, I went, was, Christopher was like last year, and he's played like a, a level down just to play because they were allowing, I was trying to figure out what rinks would allow them in there without having to go through like 19 tests. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, the coaches are wearing masks on the bench and everything, kids. And, and, and so I just, I'm like, you know what? Uh, he said, you know what, Dad? I, and now and Chris is 15, and he's 6'5", 230. Wow, and and that was an easy call for me to say. You know what? Um, it might be it might be a better thing for him to play football, hmm. and he loves it. Great, uh, he's happy. He smiles. He comes home happy every day. And, awesome. and I know that he can with that sport. He can control the effort because his physical physical abilities will take care of themselves if he wants to put the work in. Instead of me pressuring him to play a sport of hockey that maybe he doesn't love or or is behind the ball at quite quite honestly at this mm. point, you know. I want him to go to college. That's all I want my kids. Go to college, have fun, but make sure you're enjoying your sport. Yeah. Yeah, really good point. And and your story is really about resilience, right? From young from a young youth hockey player and then, you know, playing pros and then and then in your 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 afterlife of hockey, right? Your post your post career, talk about that and you know the, the, some of the demons you faced and how you're able to over. Yeah, I mean my story is pretty public now, but alcohol was my demise. And you know, right? I played with you my last year, and uh, I was struggling so bad that year. You know, I was going through. I was my own personal demons. I tried to hide what I could from everybody. Derek, you were there too. Yeah. No alcoholic wants to say, especially at like 34 years old. Like I'm really bitten by this. And uh, it was years, you know, probably years in the making. I, I can safely say, and I tell everybody this, the only year that that was like that was my last year after the lockout, where mm. I felt like I, I was really um, owned by the by the disease of alcoholism. And I, you know, wasn't myself. The years before that, I was, you know, I'd get out there. And I, I was a drinker, you know, there was nights I'd party. But I came to play. I wasn't afflicted by the withdrawals and the other things that come with it and the demons that come with it. Um, so my career ended in, in 2006. I'd, I'd lost my sister that year to a heart ailment we did not know about. It was a sudden cardiac death in 2006 at the very height. I mean, I couldn't have been more at the height of my alcoholism when that happened. She's my only sister, someone who wanted me desperately to get sober. And that was really, I think, where my story in, in and of itself kind of took off from a point like, man, I'm low. You know, I didn't have nothing. I lost my teammates. I lost everything that I'd, I'd had in a sense because, you know, I was the guy in the room. And you guys probably could attest to it. I loved coming and being with my teammates. Yep. Like, yeah. I loved that more than anything. And I, and I went out of my way as a guy who'd still play 20 minutes a night to still try to be somebody in the room to keep it loose, to keep it uh, so guys are able to play and not get inside themselves too much. I took great pride in that for many years to be a good all-around locker room guy, but also a good player on the ice too, to what best of my abilities. And, uh, you know, I was taken apart by that. And I lost my sister. I, was, I went to a rehab. I went to Karen Recovery Center in Warnersville, Pennsylvania, where I do work now, you know, which is amazing. I'm coming full circle, and I'll talk about that. But these are, these are things that I had to... I had to I had to get down into the worst mud in the ground that I've ever been in. And I had to uh, self-reflect. Like, I was alone 30 days. My sister was dead two weeks before. I'm in a rehab. I'm rooming with a 20-year-old kid. I just played 12 years in the NHL. My career was over. Uh, 
Diana, my wife, was pregnant with Christopher at the time. I had three little girls who I loved more than anything, and I knew that I just could not be that person. So I went in, I came out, I got two years, and that's kind of where my journey started. I was lucky enough at the time to have had really good people like Peter Luco, uh, Paul Homeward, who just got the job, Sean Tilger, uh, and they gave me a chance to do radio. You know, I was doing pre- and post-game, and what a great, great opportunity just from being a, a guy I was in the room that liked to speak over the years and said, you know, let's give this guy a chance, you know. And they needed, they were making changes anyway. Yep. But that wasn't the end of my alcohol journey. You know, as I went through it, I, I, I slipped up again in uh, about 2008 and, and very quietly, never to the level. See, where I went in the rehab, guys, where I went in is I, I, I can't explain the level, how high my level was. Like when I went away, I was a 0.63. People understand what blood alcohol level is. I mean, that's, that's a world record. Yeah. Nobody wow. lives past a 0.4. And I was standing like walking, talking, breathing like I am right now. That's I would have looked. They'd been like, there's no way that guy could possibly but I was wow. and so when I went back out again I you know I, was, I had to pick my spots I was doing radio we had like me say the Flyers had like three days off or somewhere I'd go out one night and then kind of revert back just to you know behaving myself but it didn't and, and that didn't take up a whole lot of time but it got tiring for me and it was too like I said February 7 2011 is the day that I put it down for good I just and it was nothing there was nothing no divine uh, intervention it was something, but maybe there was something yeah, woke right. me up at like six in the morning and said, you know what, you're going to, you're going to do this right now. You're going to figure it out. And you got too many people that count on you. And so that's where, that's where the story came about, where I just said like, this is enough, enough's enough. And, uh, people deserve far better than what I'm giving them, especially my kids. And so that's where I made the decision that day that I was going to put the work in. I was going to get around the people that, uh, you know, I probably partied with once that are sober also. And that's where, that's where the day changed from then. And it, it, it was. It's been a lot of – perseverance has been very much part of my story, guys, my whole life. You know, whether making it to the NHL, finding a way to stay. Uh, but then this has been my – certainly my hardest, most difficult achievement was to, to get sober, uh, stay sober, do the right things, be the right person, uh, give back to people that are struggling. And I've done that for years, but it wasn't until, you know, 2021 when things changed in my life that I said, you know what, to do the brave thing – you have to do the hard work, and that's yeah. to be able to strip yourself of who you are. And because ultimately, when you get sobriety, you have to hold it, and to hold it, you have to give back. Mm. And that's the message. And to let other people know, struggling, like it's okay. You're not a loser. I don't think of myself as a loser. I'm thinking of somebody that had a life experience, right. and yeah. I got yeah. through it. And you know, and then part of my story is pulling yourself out of that gutter. Life's fucking hard sometimes. Yeah. And you know what? And and uh, you know, not, nobody has a perfect life. So anyone that says, oh, you know, he struggled with that. Everybody has something wrong and with them, and it's, uh, it's what you're able to do to try to better whatever that is that, that ails you, but also to be a better person in the process. And I think that's what I've tried to do. So when I, you know, I, I openly tell people all the time, if you need help, call me. Reach out to me on Facebook Messenger. And you know what? People are starting to do it. It's starting yeah, to resonate more. I have a lot of aftercare facilities in the, in the city that uh, that I support. I think I, you know rehabs are great. Uh, when I get people that you know, and they're willing to go away for thirty or sixty days, I send them to Karen in Warnersville. Uh, and when they get out, of, there's so many great aftercare places, and that's where the part for me, which was so important, was to to put more of an emphasis on aftercare, uh, so people can you know they got to live again. You know when you're in a rehab for thirty days, you're safe. You know everybody's in there and you're all raw raw, and we're gonna we're getting sober. But when you get out of there, 
um, you know, it was really, it's, it's about one out of 10 people that make it, you yeah. know, in terms of rehab. And then there's relapses. Oh, I didn't sure. make it my first time. I was yeah. not a first time winner, but that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That's a, you know, relapse sometimes is very important in terms of the long, the long process. Yeah. Uh, I tell them it's not a requirement. Trust me, you're going to get the same answer. You don't need to do it because you're going to get, find out exactly what I found out time and time again, that it, nothing changes. It doesn't matter. I am who I am. And I will always revert. If I took one drink today, and that's and that's the part for me now is I have to hold on to it with everything I have. One drink will ruin everything that I've done to this point. So I have to be aware of that, and I am. I'm guarded against it every day. Mm-hmm. I can still be the same person I am. I still have a ton of fun. I love to go golf, and I love hanging out with you guys, any, any group of people. Right. I love spending time with them. My kids now respect me. And those are the best parts of life. You know, I'm able to be able to be the, the genuine person I always wanted to be and not – not be the one that was controlled by by the demons of alcohol, but it's been a long time now. You know, come up on twelve years. So, but I'm still every day. I still make amends, and then every day I, I try to be a better person. It's not perfect. I I'm not. I don't have a perfect life. Uh, I still have many other issues and yeah. and shit that goes on, and, and like we all do. But but what's good when when where my story is where someone maybe listening to this hears is that it doesn't involve alcohol anymore. So for me, um, whatever problem is there can be handled. Um, accordingly yeah because right. i don't have to fall back on that stuff yeah no doubt and the story of hope for sure yeah and that that is right and that's the end like that's the part is that if you are struggling like i tell you i did this and yeah. if i believe i did this anybody can do it so if you're struggling believe in yourself and then believe in the that there are people out there that want you to be well and want you to be the best version of yourself and the biggest the biggest lie that i hear people say all the time about alcohol is oh, I'm never going to have fun without it. Yeah, that is the, the biggest, biggest bunch yeah. of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. And I'm telling you yeah. from someone that used to say, oh, I can't live without alcohol. I was like that. Yeah. I can't imagine ever sipping it again. Uh, and I can't begin to tell you the amount of fun I have without it because I have tons of it. Yeah. Not to mention remembering your nights and, and yeah, remembering yeah. the experience because yeah, you're actually sure. more present, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've yeah, I've woken up feeling, <laughs> feeling like feeling like crap quite quite a few mornings in my life, uh, but yeah, I don't I don't have that anymore. You know, if I wake up in the morning feeling hungover. It's because I had too much ice cream the night before. That's it. You know? yeah, no oh, doubt. Man. Uh, you know, a lot of guys struggle with what you've gone through, right? Alcoholism and, and just addiction in general, um, say just in the hockey bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how much uh, of this is, is stemming from, you know, the culture of hockey, especially in the past when it was you know, heavily, heavily self-medicating with, with alcohol, right? And I think things have transitioned. There's more plant-based medicine, cannabis, and other alternatives now. Talk to that versus just like being a, a micro of the macro problem. Because I think the culture of hockey has probably been the root cause of a lot of guys' issues to some degree. Um, you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't, I'm not a, a guy that ever throws anybody under the bus, but... Um if you think that I'm the, a lone wolf in this, oh no, 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 there's, there's fucking legions of us. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I mean, and I'm not saying it like misery likes company. I don't. I wish no one had this, and I wish I was the only one to take the hit for everybody and say, guys, trust me. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, like, this is this is a very, very. Uh, I don't want to say. I hate to say a problem because I look at the hope end of it. But you're right, Riley. There's a culture that came with this league that's gone back. Uh, you know some hundred years yeah right right like the culture of the game was you know go out you know play hard work hard and you got a night out on the team go out and drink beers with your buddies yeah yep. and, and i tell people like i was raised in that culture sure. you know small yeah, town you ottawa cold winters my dad you know be a good teammate you know do the right things for your teammates and you know have a beer after the game with yeah. them 
I don't ever do drugs, they'll kill you. Yeah. And I lived by those standards. Yeah, right, yeah. You know, totally, I did. And, and, and so, you know, I guess the culture of the sport caught up. You know, I think having uh, one or two beers after a game became a lot easier to have three or four. Sure. And, you know, alcoholism is a progressive disease. It gets worse and worse and worse. Um, but I've seen many, many guys in this league afflict, afflicted by uh, addiction, yep. whether it be drugs. Uh, more certainly alcohol, far more prevalent because of the culture of, of, the, of the sport that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, that has changed. Yep. That's changed a lot. You know, yeah. now, like, you know, before where somebody used to say, um, oh, there's a rumbling. You know, it would go whispering. But if you've heard a rumbling that there was a guy doing cocaine in the 90s, yep. that was a really big deal. Yeah. Where now that kind of adage may have changed a little bit where the alcohol is now the demon. Because it does far more worse for an athlete long term because it stays in your body. Yeah. Where someone may turn their head to saying like, like to me, cocaine is like, you know, I think, I think Scarface and Tony yeah, Montana. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. what I think, you know, like, yeah. and alcohol wasn't so much, but it's on every street corner. It does just as much damage. So I think a lot of, a lot of guys in, in the league now have, um, I think through society have, have been deemed that alcohol is really bad for athletes now. The problem I have with that is that, and I've been around long enough to know, guys are going to do something. They need a release of some kind. And I think that is, will be and forever will be an issue in professional sports in general, is the high the players chase away from the game, they're getting that high in the game. What are they doing away from it? Yeah. And, and I wish there was a great answer for that, or I wish I had that answer. But I just know the way young people are when you give them money in their bank accounts, time on their hands, sure, uh, and, and and situations that they're not accustomed to handling uh, through sheer wisdom. Yep. You know, I know that now because I, you know, I'm 50. I have all these years of wisdom, and I've seen all these things, and I see young guys come up, and I watch them, and I and I know, you know, like I went and talked to the Washington Capitals this summer. Uh, they had me come in and speak to their 20 year olds, uh, 18 to 20 year olds, their development camp. Some guys just drafted two nights earlier. And I shared with them for about 40 minutes. This is exactly, I was exactly you guys. Mm-hmm. No different. Heck, my first year in a league, I hardly drank in the NHL. Hardly drank because I was so focused yeah. on, on being a rookie and, and staying in the league and, and, you know, people, what they saw of me and, uh, and how they perceived me. And I was totally focused. But I said the same thing. Like, you be careful because, you know, and uh, because you just never know. Yep. You never know how it's going to afflict you because it's going to afflict you or it could afflict you differently than it does somebody else who doesn't necessarily ha- is is adept to becoming uh, or having a problem with alcohol. Yeah, 100%. You know, what I've seen too is um, is is that there's so much emphasis on uh, recovery, right? It's like work versus recovery, right? Strength and conditioning. So many, so so much money and resources poured into it. Alcohol, as we know, is not great for sleep. It's not great for recovery, right? I mean, so... Guys are always going to naturally lean towards something to to help with that recovery process. You know, there was a lot of say ignorance and misunderstanding of alcohol, what it was doing to the body and nervous system back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. We self-medicated with it because it was the thing to do. Yep. Um, now there's more awareness and consciousness around it. But at the end of the day, guys are still in physical pain, right? They got pain. They're, they're trying to rid their body of inflammation, um, as well as some sort of emotional, you know, issues that they're dealing with. They're For sure, human beings, right? Yes. I mean, um, dealing with whether whether it's the game, the game itself, or their their off ice issues, personal issues, right? So look at Tom Brady, right? Something. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's a big emotional issue, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And he's going through a marital problem. Yep. Publicly, 
and his play looked like it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a guy that's a completely focused athlete, right? Yep. A, the the goat of all He's goats. He's a Jedi, yeah, exactly. He's the Jedi, right? And and so, and we just watched him have a human moment. Yeah, 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 right. So and, and so naturally, humans are going to need something like to, to your point earlier to, to 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 release or express or whatever that lands up being uh, a management tool. And I think you and I have talked about this before. You know, your traditional um, substance abuse model is you know pure sobriety. You know, I, I come a little bit more from an alternative yep. uh, perspective, but you're seeing guys utilize cannabis or different cannabis-based products to help manage inflammation, pain, sleep. Um, and, and in my opinion, it is some sort of drug diversion model or harm reduction model where it's it's certainly better. Yes, you can abuse cannabis. You can abuse anything. Sure. Food, I mean, you go down the list of things we can abuse, which is anything around us. Um, but as it comes to, when it pertains to recovery and being a better performer, right? I mean, you, you're going to sleep better. You're going to recover better. And, sure. you know, there's an element of harm reduction and drug diversion there. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there and, th- and, and get your thoughts on, you know, the, say the, the modern, you know, more progressive athlete versus, you know, the, you know, the old school hockey player. You know, and, and, I, and I, I put this in the book. Uh, you know, I said, like, I, I'm an advocate of, of cannabis from, from a standpoint of, of helping with pain. Mm-hmm. Um, reduction especially in pro sports sure like i mean is it when i look back at my career I, you know i actually and this is another one i didn't realize how many guys actually used weed even when i played right you know i had an episode and again it was in the book in, in high school that i never did i never did it now i did sit like since later in my years but i was terrified i had, had like something i thought something was laced in high school i wrote about it in the book yeah. i had a friend actually concur would said i remember that we it's the first time I ever did it. I said, I looked at the wall. I said, God, I'll never do this again. <laughs> and, and, and I, and you know, it wasn't until maybe devil's lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah whatever, whatever happened there, somebody put a little hot sauce in it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm glad everyone has a little bit of laugh at, at the cannabis, right? Because we all, I mean, it's, it is like one of those ones where you see somebody just smiling. And it, I mean, you can't watch walk through any major American city now with it. Every breath you take, it just runs right through your sinuses. Yeah, so, um, but, but, you know, again, in all seriousness, like I, I tell people, like if you had an option, if you had no other option between alcohol and weed and you're an athlete smoke away my friend because the other thing is is just not it's it's not conducive to what you're trying to do both as an athlete and a human being yeah right you know, and again, the cannabis side of things too. It's it's no longer just about smoking it, right? I mean, that was like the oh, old school yeah. delivery system. It's edibles now. now it's, edibles, yeah. t-shirts, you know, transdermal patches. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about all the delivery systems. So you know, yeah. and different ratios. Not to mention like that, because back in the day, it was you get a bag of weed, and that's what you got. You know what I mean? There was no like you know one to one ratio, <laughs> THC, CBD, and all this other stuff. So yeah, I had a buddy tell me he's like, man, he's like, yeah, I'll tell you what, man, everybody, everything's different now with the way they got weed. <laughs> right. He was when I was a kid, I'd go up and get it off a guy, and he would pull a bag out of his underwear. <laughs> he goes five bucks. Yeah, right. And he goes, and half of it probably wasn't even weed. Yeah, right. <laughs> stems, yeah. stems, and seeds, so, and whatever. Yeah, they've, they've really progressed with that. But yeah, I mean, listen, it, and, and marijuana is everywhere. They're on all billboards all over the sure. world. There, I, I tell people, and this is what I do tell parents watch your kids with those pens because there's a there's a gateway to to that i tell parents you see your kids with like 15 year old uh, kids with with those vape pens of any kind um say something 100 be be absolutely aware of that uh it's you know but for a 40 year old guy yeah um 
enjoy your life. Like, yeah. you, you know, I mean, that, that's the way I look at it. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, be vigilant of it. But I mean, if you're not a, not a drinker and you want to go out and people have like dinner parties now with these cannabis, I saw something <laughs> yeah, on, a, know, right? yeah. on a YouTube the other day. I was laughing about it. But um, again, to me, alcohol is, is, is the demon yeah. uh, of the mall, really, because it's just so readily it's available. Dark, yeah. It's on dark. every corner. Yeah, no doubt. Well, before we move on to some Flyers hockey, any last thoughts on your on your book, uh, directing uh, the listeners to, 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 to finding and purchasing a book? Yeah, you can you can get it. I was selling some. I might I may still have some, but I'm going to do some book signings. I'm going to bring some uh, bring some of the books when I go out to these signings. You can go to BarnesandNoble.com, TriumphBooks.com. Um, or Amazon.com is the best one. And if you have read it, leave a review on Amazon. Apparently, it does something with an algorithm. Okay. Um, that's not really my purview, but I've been told that, so I will pass that message along. But, yeah, just it's, it is. it is You know, Riley, it's just about hope. It, yeah. it really is. I mean, it's got some good hockey stories. I mean, uh, somebody put something out the other day, uh, you know, about Lindros in the book, and I had to touch upon it because I play with him. Right. Um, that's not really the point of the book. It's just kind of my um, – how I cross paths with different people sure. uh, in my time here. And, yeah. um, but that's not the message. Like Johnny declare, we had a great relationship, some great stories, me and him going out and, and there are funny parts. There are some really funny stories in the book too, but, but this is a book that, uh, about the struggle of a, of a person, um, where I can't tell you, I mean, I can tell you, you know, how alone I've been sometimes where people may not believe that, but you know, I was able to, to figure it out, yeah. you know, and I still am trying to do that one day at a time. So if you are struggling, if you're looking for maybe a little glimpse of hope, this might be for you because you just never know when you, when that moment's going to hit you where recovery has been eluding you and, and you find it. And hopefully this might be, might be the case for some people. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And we appreciate your, your vulnerability, 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 but it's the only way to do yeah, it. Right. It yeah. is. It's the only way to do it is get compl- As I say, you have to get completely naked yeah, you do. with yourself in, in, in front of the world to, you know, to say, Hey, listen, I've been here. I've done this. It hurt. It was painful, but here I am today. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm the version that I like, not perfect, but far better than the one that I was before. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah and, and and you, by you doing that, just allows people to to to, to resonate with the story, connect with the story, and, exactly, and and, and hopefully uh, seek help. You know? Yep. Um, it is a story of hope. So I appreciate Thanks, you. Uh, yeah, vulnerable. Man. Congratulations. So, yeah, congratulations. Thank you guys. Yeah, powerful awesome. powerful it, stuff. It's you awesome. Know? Using your platform for good. Uh, sorry for the quick break. Just a quick shout out to our sponsor, DLI Commercial, a premier commercial construction and building maintenance company offering support at every phase. Thank you for your support. Check them out at DLI Commercial for all your construction needs. Back to the show. Well, Flyers hockey. Let's talk a little bit about the Flyers. Uh, off to a start, 7-3-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Um, What are your thoughts on Torts, first of all, um, what he's doing? I think what happened was when I look back at the team, it looked like the culture was broken, hmm. right? Like there is like the team had injuries last year, but they had guys that were up. And I mean, they still, it just wasn't, they weren't competing at a level you want. They weren't being pushed to a level that fans expected. Um, I I think bringing torts in, like I, I like torts. Like yeah. I said that this summer, yeah. I like the hiring of yeah. torts. Um, he's making the team, he's building back what the roots of the team are. Right. Mm-hmm. Compete hard, work hard. There's no more fighting anymore. I mean, we have they have a couple of guys that could do it, but it's not about that anymore. There is a progressive part to Flyers hockey as well that I think people are adjusting to. The league has changed, right? Um, so that unfortunately for the Flyers and the model that they built from the ground up, that's changed a little bit too. 
But at the same time, you can't lose um, what you are in your connection to the city. Yeah. And I think that Torch is trying to bring that back. Ultimately, if they keep working hard like they are, like they're lacking star power. Yes. We know that. When you turn on a TV at night, there's no, there's no 97 like Edmonton has with McDavid or those guys that are going like, to be like, wow, mm-hmm. um, we want to get out and watch it. They don't have that. So they're going to struggle with that in terms of people garnering interest. But they're working hard, and those are the things that I said last year that I didn't like. I didn't like the, I didn't like much of anything about on or off the ice. And this year, there's been a lot more I, I, to like about the team uh, from a standpoint of them winning. Their goaltending's been unbelievable. Yes. I mean, Carter, I, I know he's off against uh, the, the Blues, which we'll talk about, but uh, he was sick. But but he's been the best goalie in the league so far, um, and he. I think the Flyers' record has exceeded what it should be because of that goaltending. 100%. Yeah. But I'm not going to complain about it because I'm seeing effort. And, and yeah. if the players are there, the 20 guys that are dressed at night, I commend that effort. And I, and I say good job by John Tortorella for you know, getting this thing off in the right direction. Um, you know, the, the Phillies, again, you know, the Flyers get mired in the middle of, of a World Series <laughs> right, run a good yeah. start. And, you know, but but I will say this. Like, they lost three in a row, and I really thought the wheels were going to come off, start coming off fully. Because they are lacking. They're lacking talent in areas it's going to take to win long term. Yes. And, um, but but they've kept surprising me. They beat Ottawa, who's yeah. a complete fraud. Uh, no, I mean, they are, again. Like, you know, we were told they are going to be good. They have, like, the announcers up there tell you, like, they were getting their rings carved. And, I mean, yeah. Ottawa <laughs> lost again. And, um, and and so, like, you know, but, again, it's, it's, it's Ottawa. you got to build some excitement. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the Flyers beating St. Louis and our and our great friend, uh, Chief Barubi, who we all just kind of spoke to. They're off to an unbelievably bad start, but the Flyers just – Home cooked them. They did, they and uh, so they're playing hard. They're playing they hard. Are. They got a good, good goaltending from Sandstrom. Yeah. Um. Their their team is playing well. They're they've um, taken away a lot of the middle of the ice in the D zone, and they've they've been resilient. You know, in terms of goal scoring, getting guys like Konechny's really stepped up. Yeah. Scotty Lawton's done a great job. Hayes has had a good start to the year. Um. Their D have been pretty good. Giving up a lot of shots some games, but for the most part, last night was a good... The St. Louis game was, I thought, a good hockey game in terms of regular season, and, and they can't score. And, and the Flyers you know, are a team that surprised a lot of people coming out. But it's been, I think, a little bit of fear, guys, of the new coach. I've been there before where you're like, man, I don't want to make one mistake because I'll be in the doghouse. So I think that that's resonated uh, through the locker room, but I give them credit. I, I can't say anything but good things uh, about this team coming out of the gate and the effort that they've put in. Yeah, right, no I doubt. Agree. Um, you, you kind of alluded to it. Um, uh, do you think that the the Flyers are able to sustain this? Like you know, you said they don't have that superstar. That you know, they I think they're the third, um, the bottom of the league as far as goals for you know third third last. Um, like they're, they're they're scoring. They had five goals last night. Obviously, like they're going to continue to have to score by committee. How, how do you see this thing playing out? Like you know, they've given up a little bit of uh, probably more chances against early on. Carter Hart's making the big save, um, but the, but you, but you're right. Their identity's there. The culture is there. You know, they're working. They they look they look like a team. Um, how does this play out? Yeah, they're structured, right? Yeah. Like they're playing with a little bit more structure. I. <sighs> It's one of those ones where you say, like, you know, it's 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 hard to say. But I I think that the the lack of talent is going to catch up to them when these games become far richer. Come yeah. like December, sure, when the playoff push really comes together. Like, uh, so I. But again, if they if they formulate a a a team that that works hard, 
and gives themselves a chance in that goaltending. I mean, the goaltending numbers are around 90, 950. Yeah, he's... I don't know if there's ever been a goalie that's held numbers that high in yeah, the history of the right. league. So, <laughs> um, so, I mean, that may level itself out as well, too, where you'll see some, some losses creep in. But, you know, from what this team is, guys, I mean, we're not talking about a, a Colorado avalanche here where, you know, they're got off to the start they're supposed to have. Right. It's a team that's past expectations for what we thought at the end, beginning of the year. I had them... I had them I'm, we did a, uh, a thing on uh, on the podcast, Snow the Goalie, where we counted some of the, the wins and stuff that they had and losses early in the first 20 games, and I had them at 8-10-2. I, I heard that. Every and that. now I thought before the Ottawa game, maybe they'd still be in and around that number, but not the way I picked it. Like, they're beating Florida or, you know, Tampa, right. and games are winning uh, that they should not be winning. Na- yep. They beat Nashville, I think. Yeah. Um, but again, I think they're going to exceed that now. I mean, they only have to lose one more game in terms of getting to like if you're saying like the eight, you know, like right. where they're at. So for the wins, but they've done a good job. I just, I just think that you know with the loss to Couturier, yes, um, you know they have they have you know their third pair in defense. You know, again, they, the matchups become more prevalent after kind of American things. Middle of December, kind yeah. of now, is, it seems like where the league kind of takes off and starts a really the heavy push. Um, yeah, I don't know, Riley. That's a good question. Do yeah. I think they're a playoff team? No, I don't. I don't. And I think there's a long way to go to get to that, to, for me to be able to say that. Do this for another 20 games, and, and you might yeah. you might have a full believer in me, but I, I don't know yet. I mean, I guess you can have guys that step up in situations, but I, it just layered down. When I go down it, it just looks like it gets too easier to check as you go down the lineup, as the games become more meaningful. Right. It's going to be a dogfight. I think, too, that I, I know personally last night I, I kind of forgot about, well, I didn't forget about it, but, like, Coots is out. We know that three to four yeah. months. It says we're also missing Atkinson, yep. JVR. Yeah. Um, you know, you get them back. There's more goals in your lineup. Yep. It's not, like you said, superstar levels, but it is more goals yep. in your lineup. So. Sometimes that can work against yeah, you, too. I was, I was say. You're right. You're right. Because right. these guys are working their bags off every yeah. night, and, and you cannot deny that. And I think that's, you know, that's what Philadelphia needs to get back to. That's what the fans want to see. I, 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 but that the one thing that we've talked about with Torzo is that I like is that he's, he's put a culture back in. Yes. yes. And, and that was what sorely missed. And I think that's what a lot of the fans did not like last year was the fact that the team was becoming irrelevant. Uh, because of the way it was playing on the ice and a few other things too, but but that was the part that fans I think were really did not appreciate, and and, and Torts has has re has restructured it and brought life back into that. Yes, yeah. definitely. Any player that's rising up more than you more than you thought outside of the guys you mentioned? Cates is he's like I, I kind of like like his you know his versatility. Uh, as he moves forward, I still think Morgan Frost. I just like them to leave him alone. Yeah, I right. Too, yeah, I know. I love just that leave kid. leave him alone and let him play a little bit. He'd be the one guy. I guess if I were like an assistant coach, I'd tell Torts. I've seen a little bit. Like I actually kind of think that he might has a chance to surprise people. I agree. Um, I don't know though. I mean, I, I've I've seen Show guys splashes. buried mentally their whole careers, and 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 then next thing you know, he's twenty eight, and yeah, it's too late. Yeah. I would like to just give that guy the same chance that they almost gave Giroux as a young guy. Just let him play. You know, there's not there's nothing wrong, but you know, um, start squeezing the stick. Eh? When you you get you, you get scratched, and then you got yeah. you coming back in the lineup, you want to play well, but you also don't want to oh, turn it over. He's a yeah, playmaker, especially as a skill guy. He's yeah, a exactly. He's got to be allowed to make the odd mistake. Yeah. Uh, you know, as long as you're doing the right things defensively, where you're not you're the coach is not down on you for it. But but he's a guy I like uh, you know I, I think the. Um, 
defensively, they've been you know they've been okay. They give up some. They're weird. Like they they give up a lot of shots some games, and and, and then games against St. Louis, it wasn't as bad. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis has uh, is offensively challenged for sure, but I think that for the most part, they've done a they've done a very a, a really good job. Um, they've gotten good step ups from from guys like Kevin Hayes has, mm-hmm. has come out well. Uh, Sandheim's picking it up a little bit better now too. He yeah. he's had he had that contract in the offseason. And I think D'Angelo and Provorov have played pretty pretty yeah. darn well. You know, yeah. Provorov certainly, I mean, had two years where you know it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot going down. I mean, he looked like he got caught in the mix of where the team was. But he stepped it up big time this year and he's and he's you know, he can be a difference maker if he's playing good and he has. Yeah, I agree. And and Konechny, we've talked about this before. Konechny, I mean, yeah. you know, he's really kind of back to his all star self, uh, you know, energy bringing the energy. I think Torts is definitely getting the most out of him. Uh, maybe, maybe more, but I mean, uh, benched him a couple weeks ago. Him yeah. and Hayes in the third period, yeah, and you yeah, know right. those are ones where you got to really be careful because they're the only two guys going. Yeah, we you talked know? about yeah. that yeah, with Rupp. With we had Mike Rupp uh, on last week. Yeah, so we but it but that. it worked for now, and you know Rubble Rupp, you know he knew he'd know right. Yeah, like, right. Torts, so, him, so. Um, so yeah, I mean again, I don't. There's this fun. I'm waiting for that part of Torts too. Like I never yeah, played I with him, but there are guys like if you talk to, he's a very very polarized polarizing coach because there are guys you'd be like oh, i like them and then there's guys like oh you yeah, like yeah. do you have a minute <laughs> like they want to bring you around the corner and yeah, talk about yeah, it like yeah. i mean there are so yeah there are there are guys like that so just a matter and he will have guys form opinions of him like that on this team too yeah that's the way it is with him yep i guess time will tell I mean, they haven't yeah. really gone a long enough stretch to for him to have the wheels fully fall off right and have the media fully um, all over him as and his emotions yeah, yeah, they yeah. haven't lost like five or six in a row. Yeah, it was three in a row, and he was getting kind of like <laughs> yeah, hairy there for a little hairy, bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, he he's you know he's he's going to say what's on his mind. I mean, even now there's still guys when you kind of read the stuff, he still really pushes on the young guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and you can tell every night there's never any satisfaction. Right. Yeah. Like you know, don't, don't let it get good to you. Yeah, that's don't let it get good. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah, that's a that's a hard year though. You know, like when you're going like that. Like I mean, Hitch was like that. Like, fuck, you'd come in, you'd win a game like 4-1 or 4-2, and he'd want to break down how the other team scored the two goals. Yeah. So just let it go, dude. we got another game tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. Did, did things, you, did things you play happen. the right way? Yeah. <laughs> we did. We, right did. we won 4-2. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> goals go in. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's funny. Goals, it happens. It yeah. happens in the NHL. Yeah. Um. One quick question. Uh, Jim Montgomery, former teammate, yeah. for a little bit of time. He's got Boston. Uh, the Boston Bruins started in uh, very hot. Yeah. Um, God, 11-2, and two, I believe their record Jeez. is right now. Yeah, and they had like a self-inflicted gunshot wound over the weekend with that signing of, uh, of the yeah. kid where the um, – I. His name eludes me right now, but that was kind of like an unforced error. Yeah. And uh, they've had to scramble out of that. Like, a lot of the veteran players really stepped up. So, they're playing good hockey. I mean, yep. it, it, you know, you keep wondering, like, when Bergeron and uh, and Marchand and, uh, and and Pasternak are going to finally yeah. kind of hit a wall, but they don't, right? Like, they're and still... Krejci as well. Like, Krejci. he came back. Krejci's you know? back, yeah. yeah, for, yeah. They're yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it's know. Like, you know, but it's almost like they do it... You t- we talked earlier about another player, but you do it... All year and then get to the playoff, or they do they run out of gas, you know. Like, I mean, it's a tough year, but they are counted on so much. Those and guys do a lot, a lot of minutes. They do yeah. a lot. There's a lot of great storylines around the NHL like this year in terms of teams, like because uh, you know, like with Toronto. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're 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 just a. Yeah, you know, everybody's hanging on them. No, nobody believes in them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's almost like they're all waiting for another first round. Actually, there's a lot of great, like, really great storylines. McDavid on a scoring, you know, yep. t- oh, tired right now. Right now, I think he had 13 and 13. 
So they'll be interested to see what he does. And yeah, um, and you know who who's a really good team? Is there somebody else that surprised people? Like the Flyers, probably the biggest surprise, I guess, in the East by the, the standings. Um, I guess Dallas, Buff, Devils, Dal- Devils, Dallas, too, Devils yeah. for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I remember we saw the Devils like second night or first night. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. They were. They looked horrible. Like it looked like Lindy Ruff was just playing out a streak, and then they've they've turned a corner. Their young guys are starting to play well. Yeah. Uh, the Rangers again. You know, Shesterkin's had kind of a shaky start to yeah, the year, where they, he wasn't yeah. where he was. The Islanders look like they're good again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Montreal's playing better than they were. Luke Richardson in Chicago. I mean, they're not yeah. absolutely horrible, but they look like they were in the tank for Bedard type of thing. And then they the problem is they brought a guy like Luke in. He's not uh, going to let. That he's not going to let them. <laughs> they're not going to let that happen. Luke, so. No. Uh, is a lot like Chief, right? Like those yeah. guys. So people talk about like Flyers guys coaching and stuff. That's one thing you get from Flyers coaches, for players. Like they're not going to let anybody quit on them. Yeah. Right? And that's why Chief has a Stanley Cup in St. Louis. Yeah. You got everybody to buy in really quick. Yeah. Really, really quick. Yeah. No doubt. I liked, I liked hearing uh, Armstrong come out and say, you know, this isn't our coach. You know, he, he took Chief's back last yeah. week. You coach know, is big. It, it is big. You yeah. Know? And yeah. You drop think, eight games in a row. Is- I don't think anyone's blaming the coach for, you know, losing it, eight in a row. Give but, it a couple more. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, unfortunately, unfortunately, you're probably right. Yeah. And um, I would, I would tell Chief that too, and he would yeah, start lying, oh, be yeah, like, "Oh yeah, yeah right. I know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." But he's, he's, you know, I mean, listen, uh, we say that because he is a great coach. Yeah. And 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 if he got fired, every everybody be lining up to get him. 100%. So I think Dougie Armstrong, who I know well, I had him. He was a GM in Dallas when I was there for a cup oh, yeah. of coffee as well. Um, he's got. I think they're just in a really bad early season rut, and they will find their way. Mm-hmm. But man, you could push the panic button in these pro sports leagues uh, yeah. pretty quick, oh, you yeah. know. And uh, and so um, so I think that's where that's where he's at right now. But I th- I think Chief Chief's a guy that a player can like every year, as long as you're working hard. Yeah, he's never going to get in your wheelhouse. Just give him an honest effort, do the right things on the ice, and uh, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, and that's I the agree. truth. Yeah. yeah. All right, Bundy. We appreciate your time, yeah, man. Absolutely. Thank you, man. As always. Yeah, I love coming on. Best-selling uh, author. Yeah. <laughs> right there, dog. Best-selling. There it yeah. is. I don't know about that, but anyway, you know what? Like I said, I hope the book helps people and uh, and, and someone gets a, a meaningful message from it. Um, it's it, this, The hockey stories, I think, are great. Uh, I was lucky I had a good enough memory. Um, when they say you're doing a tell-all, it's not really a tell-all. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, uh, there's like, like, there's other stories. I mean, there's a there's a million and one stories, and it's a matter of trying to pick a couple of those really good ones. You know, the funny thing you say that uh, dog is is we can be just guys. Obviously, we wouldn't talk about some stuff now, but tell a story, you know, about this or that. And people always say to me, "Fuck, you should write a book." I'm like, I can't. Yeah, I, know, right? <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. You know, you know what I mean. You don't ever. Well, it's a couple stories. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm live. There's a couple you know, stories I told, like about you know everybody. I, I kind of went on questions that I put on Facebook, things that people would like to hear. Right. And like even a couple stories I, I told, like there's no names. Random, you know. Of course. But, right, right, right. So. Uh, but it's funny. But it's uh, congratulations again. Yeah. Appreciate and, it, guys. And, uh, Thank you. It's awesome, and and uh, good luck on the book tour. Thanks, guys. You do it all, man. I have the book tour. Yeah, they're all, the book tour is going around Philadelphia, guys, and one in Ottawa. I yeah, said one nationwide, else. baby. Yeah, nationwide. <laughs> tell everybody that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're looking, for, but you know, seriously, pay attention. If you're on social media or wherever, uh, you could follow me either on Twitter or Facebook, and I and I'm posting a lot of the uh, the book signings. I'm going to probably do most of them between now. Uh, and maybe just after Thanksgiving into the middle of December. Nice. Uh, if some people want like Christmas gifts and stuff, I think some people it may help somebody, uh, a loved one or a friend 
struggling and hopefully this book can help you find your way. That's awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You, Thanks, Appreciate Bob. you guys. Thank you. A big thank you to our good friend, Chris Terrian Bundy, for hopping on, joining us in studio. Yes. Pumping up his new book. Road to Redemption. Yeah. The dog. Can't wait to read the whole thing. Yeah. Um, me too. Uh, it's uh, interesting, and, and it's like you had said to him, uh, being so vulnerable with everything that, uh, you know, he's been through. It's uh, Hopefully it helps a lot of people because yeah. um, he really does – he does go out of his way to do that. And um, – He's a good dude, and we appreciate him coming on. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, hearing a story, and it's not exclusive to, to Bundy, right? I mean, right. you hear this story far too often, but uh, you know, for him to come on the other, come out on the other side of it, and, and be able to write a book and make an impact in the community, uh, is powerful. So, uh, appreciate him coming on, being vulnerable, um, sharing his story, being open. You know, as yeah. he always is, and honest. Um, hopefully, he can help save a life or two yep, or three sure. so um Man, make sure you get a copy of his book all right Riggs, that leads us to the clear questions presented by our good friends at clear rum let's get into them baller let's go baller what you got this one's from devin petrowski over on instagram this one's for Riggs. who was the sneakiest tough guy like someone who always flew under the radar but could always chuck him Jeez, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, everyone that I ran into was some bit of an established tough guy. Yeah, for you, definitely. Um, but I say sneaky tough. Uh, I think we talked about him last week, Aaron Asham. You know, I'd say like I knew he was tough. I mean, obviously, I'd done my homework and seen him fight. Um, but this guy, man, he, he could take a punch like I've never seen, and, and he packs a punch for his size. Um, you know, deceiving. You got the baby face. Doesn't look like a whole <laughs> baby lot, face right? assassin. Baby, baby face assassin. Um, but you know, I fought him a couple of times. Once in preseason, where I, you know I, I I did really well against him, and then um, I had a really good one in New Jersey with him. Where yeah, that was a really man. Good I hit him so hard, I could feel him going down, and then whoop, and then he back came back up, up and just kept throwing bombs. Um, so I'd say Ash. You know, he's safe, man. He was legit tough for his size. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure again sneaky. I'm not sure if that's the word because I think people knew he was he was tough. He had street credit, obviously, but yeah, um, yeah man, he a- was any any guy that wasn't considered a heavyweight that fought him usually found out. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, yeah, he left his mark. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So Aaron Asham is the answer. Nasty. This is from our buddy Quinn over on Twitter. Can you remember a time you ever made a costly mistake as the equipment manager? Ooh, man, that's interesting. Um, I think if I did do something costly, I would remember it. So I can't say that I ever did that, but the worst thing that probably is always an equipment guy's nightmare is forgetting something. Oh, yeah. And <clears throat> anytime that we that it did happen a lot of times with knee braces or braces. I remember Uh, times where one was forgotten and it was usually because we had a bend in the middle of the room. I mean, this goes back for years. Whenever someone has you, when you have two sets of equipment and you're taking one back and forth, like the knee brace I'm I'm saying, or a brace of any sort, you always tell the guys, Hey, make sure you put it in the bend that's going on the road or going to the other rink. And it happened several times. And but luckily, we're always able to get it. 
Uh, you know, like it may have just been over at the center where, oh, hey, my knee brace isn't here. Well, did you put it? No, I didn't. I put it <laughs> in my seat, but uh, which in the end was my fault. But we always were able to get it. So um, luckily, nothing really bad ever happened yeah. that way. Um, I remember one time, which wasn't our fault, we went to Atlanta to play. You were actually on the team that year, and they decided to tell me on uh, the day of the game, oh, did you guys uh, – Bring your whites, and I'm like, no, we brought our blacks. Oh, we want to wear our light blue jerseys oh. tonight, and uh, I'm like, well, we don't have our black jerseys here. Joe Seville was an intern, and he flew from Philly down to Atlanta, and I, I'll never forget Jeff Carter when he left. He was like the first guy, which you were probably with him because I thought you guys used to come back together. And he goes, did we have black jerseys hanging yeah. earlier? So Joe Seville brought the white jerseys, white socks, and white helmets, and I had I flipped it over. He, he did it in between the time you guys left the rink and the time you came back for oh, the game. Wow. Thanks, but, Joe. Yep, Joe, he saved the day. Jack of all trades does yep. it all. That was it. I, I will say, Nast, um, you allowing me to use the Green Goblin might have been costly. <laughs> For my hands and my hockey career and my offensive production. Let me rock that rib core, Reebok rib core, whatever the hell it was called. Like like I decided what you could use. <laughs> you guys decide what you're using. The Green Goblin. The Green Goblin, man. Oh, boy, what oh, a man. stick that was. Do you have any of those? I don't. God, I, I thought maybe you'd have one, a couple man. sniffing around here. <laughs> I don't. Oh, that the thing old was Green Goblin. Are you going to blame me for that? That's fine. Yeah. You did score on one of the best goalies. I did. I'm not sure if I even used the Green Goblin. Yeah, I don't know if you did uh, either. But... Uh, Thanks for uh, ruining my career. You're, you're welcome. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is the last one for episode 93. It's your boy Chris, Christopher Mayer. Uh, this is for both of you. What's your overall thoughts on the Provi and Tony pair, and how does the power play look to you guys? Hey, Reg, you have to get that power play going. Yeah. <laughs> Slap shot. Get that power play going. Yeah. Um, as far as the pairing goes, I, I like I like the pairing, what I've seen so far. Um you know, n- knowing Proby through you, Nast, and in hearing yeah, how he's connecting some of the, you know, to to some of the new teammates, and, and you know, having you know Tony, you know, be there consistently by his side. I feel like Proby's kind of finding his game again. You yeah. know, finding himself again. Um, power play always can use improvement. Obviously, um, you know, I think they can definitely find ways to to get more pucks to the net. And, um, you know, just the same old stuff around power play right it's just it's just it's just generating more shots and, and more more bodies filing the net on yeah. s- secondary plays i mean i think you're gonna score more goals like that um i don't have a problem with uh the, the first 11 games or so but uh i think Provi's kind of back where he needs to be um you know i think maybe having no a on um you know might, might be a little more humbling for him and just kind of helping him get back to the root of, of what he is and, and building up that leadership role without an A um, and finding himself that way. But I don't know what your thoughts are. On, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love the pairing. And we talked about this before the season started. I think it was going to – I thought it was going to be huge uh, for both guys to have steady – you know, steady I, – I believe they're a, a one pairing yeah. in, in NHL. Yep. Um, and I think you – like there's there's more to work on, obviously. Like yeah, again, we're you know we're early, but you can't argue the fact that they look pretty good together. Yeah, and um, they kind of complement each other. Um, so I'm happy with it. And you know, power play, like you said, like I'll let you speak on that more. You played the game, but uh, you know, you always can work on that, right? 
So. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be all season long, right? I mean, yeah. you're you're always trying to generate different opportunities depending on the team you're playing, what they're what they're taking away, what they're not taking away, where the holes are. Um, it's always about refining, uh, you know, the puck movement. But uh, you know, not that I was a power play guy, you know, but uh, I've been in enough power play meetings uh, on both sides of it, and. Um, just finding finding ways to get good shots to the net, and generally we always talk about finding spray on the back backside, weak side of the net, you know, for the for those rebound type of goals. I think you're going to find ways to to find some trashy goals over time by just uh, again moving pucks around the horn and, and getting them to the net. But um, uh, certainly there's it's something they're always working on, right? I right. Mean, never a yeah. day goes by where they feel content with the power play or the penalty kill for that matter, for that matter. But um, it's a work in progress. Passing has got to be crisp, right? I mean, yeah. nothing worse than going around the horn and teeing up that one timer, and it's not in the wheelhouse. It's not in the wheelhouse. You know, and then you yeah. got to start over, and then you know everyone's, you know, everyone can see it happening, and then you got to start from scratch. So it's just about execution when it comes down to setting up in the ozone there. So um, a, a work in progress for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, you are a power play guy now. I am, yeah, men's league, sure. yeah, you definitely are, are on yeah, the power net play front. You know, directing the play, screening, yeah. getting getting some spray on the back back end, back side of the play. Spray. Spray. You got to get that spray. Everybody likes the spray. (laughs) All right, Nass. That's a wrap. That's it. Episode 93 in the books. Yes, sir. Until next week, if you guys are enjoying the content, YouTube, as well as on Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe. Give us a follow. Until then. See you next week. We'll see you next week, knuckleheads. 